This program is underwritten by Sustainable Settings, a nonprofit organization devoted to harvesting nature's intelligence in its research and demonstration of sustainable human settlement. Sustainable Settings is supported by volunteering, the sale of our organic farm products, and your tax-deductible donation. Call 970-963-6107 and visit us on the web at www.sustainablesettings.org. On the way down here, we talked about um, creating order in things or encouraging, uh, co-creating, I think is a better way to put it, a sense of order as it has to do with rain and moisture and and uh, I found that fascinating and I'd love to share that with the viewers. Well you you look at what happens in nature. Now I live about two hours from Atlanta, Georgia. Atlanta, Georgia has a historical record that it is 20% more likely to rain on Saturday or Sunday or both than to rain on any of the weekdays. Hmm. But any of the weekdays, people are out on the highways going to work or coming home from work right at the sunrise, sunset rhythm of the day. Inhale, exhale. Well, they're exhaling petroleum... Carbon. Yeah, oily stuff. Yeah. And that's going off in a cloud, uh, and this is chaos, you know, molecular motion at random. Mm -hmm. But it's going off in a cloud above the highways that ring Atlanta and feed Atlanta. Okay. And... That happens in the morning, and it happens again in the evening. Okay, so there's five days of that in yeah. the commute. Yeah, and then on your barbecue, it's liable to rain. Okay, on the weekends. And yeah. So what? Where's where are you going with that? Well, we're capable enough of stopping the rain. We so, can we can keep it from raining. We're doing a pretty good job of that. So we're doing by the weekly inputs and the driving. You're saying we're oh the yeah, holding the, rain back or somehow. Well, we're turning the particulate matter in the atmosphere. We're coating it with oily substances. Emissions. Yeah, emissions. Okay, and so yeah. on the weekend, what happens? There's not as much of that at all. There's sort of a breath of fresh air. So it builds up, in a way, during the week is what you're getting at. Right, right. I mean, uh, the Weather Service explained this in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, that this was because the particulate matter in the atmosphere built up through the week. Now... In a sense, this is correct. It did build up through the week. But then it would rain on Saturday and Sunday. 
Why? Why Saturday and Sunday, see? Yeah. Uh, so they were saying that it rained on Saturday and Sunday because it had built up too much during the week. But how come it didn't rain on Fridays or Thursdays? Mm -hmm. And reached some kind of threshold where it broke. Yeah, yeah, okay. you might have thought it might do a little bit more of that. Okay, so... But, but the observation, like, I'm not talking about weather prediction. prediction. This is weather observation, which is a pretty exact science. Okay. So what's happening? Well, we're, we're actually uh, creating, and you can see it. You can come, come into Atlanta. Like the inversion from, layers, that thing? You can see this sort of dome of haze, and this yeah. is a common phenomenon around a lot of cities. Yeah. And in those kinds of hazy conditions like that, you don't get cloud formation. If you were a buzzard, you'd steer clear of there. Okay, wait now. So it's disorganization. Oh, sure enough. Right? Yeah. It's chaos. That's right. It's, it's chaos. Right? Yeah, you're creating chaos and for it to in rain, that pollution. For it to rain, it takes organization. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You know, I mean, what is the raindrop? It has coalesced. And the moisture in the atmosphere has built it up. And it hits the earth. In other words, the moisture in the atmosphere is organized. Mm. The rain process is a process of organizing moisture in the atmosphere. Okay. All right, now, let's take that and imagine that, you know, we've had, we haven't had rain for a month out here, right? We're high and dry. Okay. Here in the Rockies, and so... <clears throat> You know, 17 to 20 inches of rain is an annual is our annual precipitation. If you take it across the year, so let's just say it's been 30, 40, 60 days, and maybe we want to encourage, if we could, for it to rain. Is there a way to do that? Oh, sure. Help us out. Help us well, out. <laughs> well, it helps to see what's going on. Okay. So observation, really, that's the basis of intelligence. Okay. So. Make it rain, Hugh. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying you've got to see what's going on if you're going to do all this. All right, all right. You know, because, really, if you work with nature, then things work, you know, because nature does the work. Yeah. Uh, if you work... Uh, counter to nature, then it's expensive. <laughs> well, as we know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's really costly. So we mine uh, nature and abuse it to try to correct our uh, disconnection, We basically. sure have a curious way to treat nature. Yeah. Uh, All right, let's make it rain. Help me, help us okay, go there. Okay, well, Okay. In your little spot on earth, okay. like within the boundaries of your property, yep. you have got an entitlement to affect that area the way you want. My eye, you mean? Is that my yeah. responsibility? Yeah, yeah. You can, you can go out there and spray it with poisons. 
Well, that's a le- mean, that's legal. That's legal. Yeah. <laughs> Re- amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it's legal. You yeah, could do yeah, that if you yeah. wanted. Not not that you particularly might want to. No. Seems like a pretty crazy thing to do. Pretty normal, unfortunately. Well, I don't know, man. These salesmen, they could. <laughs> let's not go there. So let let's work on the our will or our responsibility on a place and go from there. Okay, so so you can you can deal with your area. Now, if you like identify its boundaries, you can go to Google, Google Earth and uh, take a picture of it, satellite picture, right. and draw your boundaries all the way around your property. And you've got a map with the boundaries of your property drawn on it. And you've got a legal right to do what you want to do within that property. So if you want to sprinkle it with pixie dust, it's your right to do that. That's right. So you might get you might get a few looks from the neighbors, but who cares? Well, the county or the state or the feds aren't going to bother you with pixie no, dust. <laughs> no, they're not going to bother your neighbor <coughs> if he sprays this god awful chemical, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. without taking regard to his own self-protection. Yeah. We call that... You know, that, if he uh, does it without a spacesuit on, then he shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. We call that chemical trespass. Well, he's trespassing himself if he doesn't wear a spacesuit to do well. it. All right. So, <clears throat> I've know, got... I mean... So, we've got the land... We've got the plat. We've identified it on Google or... Yeah. And we want so, it to rain. We we need moisture of okay. some kind. It could be dew or it could be something else, but we need to break this drought. Well, this is the thing. Everything you do needs to be consistent with that aim. Okay. So it wouldn't matter, you know, whether you you know, you where you graze your cows influences things. Uh Yeah, your land management makes a big difference in the health and vitality of your farm. And it's uh, it becomes real noticeable when you start to take notice of it. Mm-hmm. It'll change the way you go about it. See, with these with these preparations you can really have an influence on what's working on your farm. Uh, And two of the biggest things are silicon and nitrogen. They're like opposites of each other. See, carbon and silicon are nonpolar and nitrogen is, well, it's the first anion in the periodic table, and it is extremely sensitive. So when there's, there's moisture in the atmosphere, 
but it isn't raining. Is that a it's is that order or disorder or what is that? It's just a different order. Well, okay, the moisture in the atmosphere, if it were organized, it would make puffy clouds, and the stronger the organization would be based on the strength of the boundaries of the clouds. So when you see clouds that have got very, like, definite boundaries. Like Nimbus. Clint. Well, I suppose the biggest ones are your cumulus clouds. Cumulus. Uh, but and they can be columns. And the so organization they're really coming, is, they're creating uh, uh, intense order. In, yeah, and intensity, yeah. Mm -hmm. So intense that the water will crystallize inside of them. And then you might have a hailstorm. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's like that sort of cloud is really sucking. And it's so powerful, you don't want to go anywhere near it in an airplane. Certainly not in a light airport plane. No, I flew with my dad, and we yeah you we go didn't around go, we those, navigated around you those. You bet. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so basically, uh, you you're not really aiming at uh, the organization becoming so so violent as that okay. that you get a hailstorm. Okay. Uh, if the organization like doesn't have to struggle so much to become concentrated, as it will become concentrated. But if you've got a lot of scattered clouds that are raining throughout the day, then it's uh, it's a different kind of rainfall. <clears throat> so, on our places, can we? somehow influence the order that we're talking about to actually encourage rain and or dew or moisture? Well, you want to connect in with what's happening in nature. And the truth of the matter is you don't know a fraction of it hardly. No. Correct. I know nothing every day I wake up. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's helpful to know that you don't know. Yeah. That's a big start. Good, uh, humble so, point to start the day with. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, what I do as a general practice is I frame this in the intent that goes like this, if it be thy will, let the powers of nature converge to increase and enhance beneficial energies and to transform any detrimental energies into beneficial ones within the boundaries as marked for now and in the future for as long as is appropriate because that gives you fourth dimensional boundaries and in deep gratitude, because nature responds to gratitude as a feeling, 
uh, acknowledgement and yeah, gratitude. It's, it's yeah, it's like nature then uh, if, is in love with you and responds to that vibration, you might say. When I try to explain what we're doing, I ask people if they've ever been in love and shared between another person that intense exchange. And then once they grasp that and acknowledge that, yes, I've been in love, I say, well, when you direct that to another person, that's a powerful thing. And But when you direct that to plants or animals or to your place or to the air even or whatever, there's a, there, it matters. It has an effect. Not too spooky? No, that's dead on. Okay. And I reckon that's what we mean in quantum physics, that you find what you look for. It's just a fact that what you are looking for... You find. ...is what you're going to find. Okay. And that translates in a farmer's world into manage for what you want don't try to manage what you don't want. Mm -hmm. okay. You know, if you find yourself focusing your attention on those things that you don't want, then you're having what you don't want. So let's get back to so you've got drought. you've got to figure out how what it's going to take to focus your intention on what you want. Okay, so let's go there for drought. Yeah, so, so if, if you're thinking drought, think of, as, of the bigger picture around you because that informs your personal picture. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that in a drought that's like a general drought in your area, there's a lot of things going on. You're only one part of that picture. Okay. But if you, by the things that you do in managing your property, for instance, uh, letting your hay field go to seed, because that's the natural time to make the best seed if you have got enough uh, fertility in the soil to feed that, then you'll make the best seed in a dry year. Because the seed is like the recrystallization of the plant. Mm -hmm. And that proceeds the best under those warmth and light conditions. So all of those stewardship practices are the foundation of making uh, or encouraging order, that's where you're going? Yeah, but you know you're looking for rain. Okay. But you don't know how much rain is really beneficial for you. Okay. And how much you might be turning your back on opportunity as well. So it's... It's like 
you don't want to be attached. You want to have a sense of humor about this. <laughs> okay. You know? That sense of humor is enormously important because then you're managing for what you want. Mm -hmm. So you're in a drought, you manage for the drought. And if your place is a little bit more organized than the ones around it, then it will be the nucleus of breaking the drought because it's the seed of the new pattern, which is not a drought. So you do those things during that drought that would be the best practices for drought. <laughs> you spoke of uh, the preparations, but also the rhythms of when to apply them and also the lunar or monthly rhythms that you would tie together to time your application to encourage the creation of the order and go go there, go there. Yeah, well, I, uh, I had traveled up from uh, the southeast Queensland area, uh, north of Brisbane. I had traveled up into the far north uh, <coughs> on the Atherton Tableland and along the coast in Tully and Innisfail and whatnot. And I'd been gone for a couple of months. And when I came back, Graham Sate, who had a farm there in Kenilworth in his area, he had, he was in the middle of a drought. And he said, Hugh Lovell, he said, didn't you say you knew how to make rain? <laughs> <laughs> and he said he's, he explained to me that the condition they were in in the drought and I took my pendulum out of my pocket and I asked how long will it take to break the drought and the answer I got was that the drought wouldn't break for another two weeks uh, until full moon. That nothing I could do would get it to break in that period of time. Oh. But it, I could get it to rain right after that, right at the full moon, then I could set it up to rain, which is what I did. And it rained. The drought broke with that. And I did a procedure using a map of his place with the boundaries drawn on it. And using radionic gear to transfer the pattern because the map is a sort of a holographic connection with the actual property. Mm -hmm. And so with quantum entanglement, then the property is entangled with the map. So if I'm uh, projecting a pattern of energy on that map, and that pattern of energy was the horn manure or the horn silica or both 
or even including the horn clay, that I could broadcast all of those patterns to the map, and the map, by its entanglement with the field itself, it would connect the, those preparation patterns to the land. And this took morning and evening applications. So the way to start off with this is on the afternoon side of things when the, the dew is ready to fall. So that's a natural cycle. So that at that time, the forces that condense the moisture in the atmosphere are strongest. So you, you would stir that and apply that to, to encourage the organization. Yes, now if I use this preparation without the stirring, then it could be much more convenient. Oh, that's the radionic. So that's, that was why using the radionics to do this. Folks are going to have to look up radionics. But uh, well, let, yeah, I don't want to, book, I don't want to throw us of off into that. So, and then so what about in the morning? Then? Well, uh, so you put this pattern of the horn manure out in the evening about the time the dew is ready to settle. And then in the morning, there is also, just before sunrise, there is a second uh, sort of condensation of the moisture in the atmosphere and a dew fall. And then when the sun comes up, that burns off. Or is absorbed too. Or is absorbed. Yeah. Depending on what's there and what can gather it in. Because there are certain types of plants like the Fuller's Teasel that collects moisture in cups around its stem. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's various strategies. And I was describing to you one I saw was a plant we called flatweed. Looks like a dandelion. And it is thriving in the middle of a drought where it hadn't rained for over six months. And it was merrily making blossoms and seeds and as green as green. So this plant had evolved to understand when it could get, harvest the dew on both sides of the day to grow, would you say? Yeah, that? yeah, well, the way it worked, I, I clipped one off with my shovel and I did it right at the surface because the ground was so hard that I couldn't get the shovel in. But I popped it off right under its leaf whorl and flipped it over. And you know, it had slugs living in the leaf whorl. Slugs? Slugs, you know, slimy, moist uh, creatures without a shell. They're usually they're like snails. They operate in a very moist environment, typically. Oh, yeah. They're, well, it was a moist environment around this uh, plant's root. In parched desert. It was, you know, no, it was scorched really dry. Yeah. Uh, what we call Bermuda grass in the States, they call cooch grass there. Yeah. But it was just dried up and waiting for a rain. It so wasn't, we're talking wasn't about growing. a relationship here. Yeah, well, this plant had, had these slugs 
living in its leaf oil and feeding on its decayed material and in turn feeding it. Symbiosis. Oh yeah, it was like a happy marriage. And Use, uh, in this little realm yeah, of just, water. Just just right over do. Yeah, well you could see you know how snails and slugs will leave a sort of a slime trail? Yeah. And it'll dry up and it'll glisten and you can see it? Well, I was watching and, and every one of these plants that was doing so well had these little slime trails out there around it where the slugs had gone out at night and drunk the dew and come back and peed on the plant. Used what they needed and brought the plant. Oh, yeah. Well, the plant had plenty of moisture. That was obvious. <laughs> so, this was just harvesting dew. So we're talking about using the 500 horn manure in the evening Yep. during that more peak exchange of, or that time of order when there's dew, Right. or whatever, and then using the 501, the silica, to encourage order on that part of the day. Is that right? Well, we go back to the fundamental nature of, they see the chemistry of things on the vertical axis is carbon and silicon, but on the horizontal axis is calcium and nitrogen. And it's not just calcium, it's every cation. It's aluminum. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot of different metallic elements, basically. Okay. When, it, when it gets into enzyme processes, then you get into the transition metals that we recognize as metals, but uh, Calcium is a metal. Gold, silver, copper. Oh yeah, all that. But you're you're saying these others are are metals as well. Yeah, calcium and magnesium are metals. That's right. Potassium, sodium are metals. Okay, so how's that applied to what we're doing? Well, they are the about two percent of our body chemistry, but they provide, you might say, the anchor. You know the weight of the body. Like for instance, your bone cells, everyone's bone cells are hexagonal crystals filled with calcium. So bone cells are actually living silica cells. And depending it's on how you look at it, a chemist might say that that's amorphous fluid silica. So silica is kind of a highway, can you say that? It forms the connective tissue, though, the cell walls. Mm -hmm. So a bone cell, its cell walls are really pretty rich in silica, enough to where it gets that hexagonal crystal shape. Bone cells have are hexagonal crystals. And this is the transfer of substances and forces, too, or...? Yeah, well, you've got a concentration of both forces, see? Both of the, the activity of silicon and the activity of calcium and magnesium, but 
primarily calcium. So the you might say the silica is holding the calcium and the magnesium in the bones. Okay. Bring this to, into... Well, the most effective medication for osteoporosis is a silica treatment. Which makes perfect sense in the chemistry of this, the bone cells. Mm -hmm. That without having a strong enough silica patterning, then it doesn't hold the calcium in the bones anymore. So what's lacking in the atmosphere to bring moisture is that silica organization or the organization of oh, the, the silica? The organization of silica is really at work in the atmosphere with warmth and light. Now, warmth and light are these forces that we see in the atmosphere. If you check it out, then the warmth is coming off the pavement. It's coming off of bare soil. It's coming off of bare rocks. That's, there, that's where it's hot. It's hot uh, in the summer on the hood of your pickup truck. It could have been sitting there all day, but it's hot because the warmth is moving upward from wherever the sun hit the surface of the earth. So if you were a bird that, like a buzzard, or that uh, flew on those rising the thermals. thermals. The thermals, yeah. 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 And that's where the moisture goes, is it goes up those rising th thermals. So any evaporation off, the off of an area is going to go up those, you might say, vents into a cooler upper layer of the atmosphere. Would you consider that disorder? No, that's, that's the origin of order. That's the beginning that's, of order. That's where the, beginning of order. where the order like enters into our world. Okay. So that's organizing moisture in the atmosphere by sucking the moisture up this warm like column or vent in the atmosphere. Silica's in that. Silica, silica may be in there. Uh, silica is the finest dust in the atmosphere. So wait, when we spray the silica prat, the horn silica, are we encouraging that order in that way? Well, yes. More than I think it, that is clearly realized. But maybe we have to find better ways of measuring it, too. Uh -huh. But the organization that we produce by taking something that spent the whole summer in a cow's horn buried in a prominent place where warmth and light are rich. Mm -hmm. uh, just as in my picture here is, is a sort of a prominent spot with red clay soil and those uh, horns there in the bottom on that left-hand side are full of horn silica. And to bury them in that kind of place and to have that 
warmth and light that are rising up from the earth into the atmosphere that these horns are resonating in that field of energy. And this aligns the molecules, I have no doubt, of the silica uh, crystals, these tiny silica particles that have been ground up and placed in these horns. And put into a water. Yeah, you have to you have to moisten it to uh, to get it into the horn and whatever. And to get it into but, the atmosphere too. Well, if you then take a small amount of that and stir it up in water and impart its patterning to the water and spray the water, then the early morning time is the best time to do this in the summer. But in the winter, what we don't realize is the warmth and light have receded into the earth. So we've actually got we've got uh, warmth and light enriching the soil at that time of year. So the warmth and light join up with the chemistry and the life of the soil. And what happens, especially in fertile soils, is the life of the soil is the, what we call the soil food web mm -hmm. because it's an interaction of a wide array of different kinds of organisms. So this gives us a concentrated substance that we can focus at different other times of the year to encourage certain therapies or certain bringing things into balance that are out of balance. I reckon since the warmth and light are working within the earth in the winter that we should be spraying the horn silica on the earth in winter and let its influences work into the earth along with the warmth and light. So in autumn, I would be out there with the leaf fall, spraying my horn manure and my horn silica together, yeah. along with horn clay. And so with the idea of encouraging flows uh, or creating order to encourage rain and or dew or some kind of atmospheric moisture to fall on your farm, you would do... Uh, Sequential spraying is what you call it, is that right? Yeah, that's what I did. And I thought, why shouldn't I just do that every day? So I kept a log and started early in the year, maybe in January. And every morning when I got up before breakfast, then I set up a radionic treatment. With, with 501. With horn silica or the horsetail decoction. Okay. The silica and gesture, we might call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the horsetail is a lot milder. It's not as seasonal as the uh, 
corn silica. Well, it's a whole plant. Yeah. Not a, not a concentrated mineral. Yeah, it's a decoction of that herb. Okay. But, uh, so you do that in the morning. So I do one of those in the morning. And then? Alternate mornings. And in the evening, I would do the horn manure and the barrel compost. And so I'd alternate them. So as a sequential spray, I didn't actually spray. I just took the map of my farm and did this radionically. And so you did that each day for a period, a certain amount of time, in what, and also in another rhythm you, you mentioned. You mentioned uh, well, the it, moon being in a particular relationship. Yeah, I didn't. I just kept a log that told me when these things were, and I could look at an ephemeris and see where the moon was, even if I wasn't taking note of it. Yeah. But because I had the time and place, then I could go back and translate to that and see what the position of the moon had been in any of these instances. So at first you're just doing it to understand when it was most effective, right? Yeah, well, just to get a sense of, you know, what's going on. Yeah. I mean, if you don't experiment, well, then what are you going to find out? Of course, yeah. So so it wasn't uh, a particularly structured experiment, except I simply kept a log. Yeah. And then out of that, you yeah. were able to determine that somewhere around a full moon, or oh, well, with the moon in a particular rhythm, was most effective. Is that oh, right? it always rains more right around full moon, and rains the least at new moon. Okay, so that uh, that's that's a monthly cycle, and it it's another sign that these etheric flows that biodynamics uh, harvest. Yeah, there's, there's not as much understanding as I'd like to see out there. Yeah. But biodynamics is at least a way of getting your head around these things and actually working with them. Because when you have the flow going this way, then you want to go with the flow. Yeah. That's that's going to be the easiest and best <coughs> and most efficient and and the best results and everything. What I'd like to emphasize for folks watching this is that you've been able to venture into these all these different scientific fields and ways of looking at things, and not everybody can do that. Hugh, I uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> but. What they can do is uh, try these things on a, diff on a more base level maybe and see if they work for them. And e I, 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 you know, at the ranch we make all the preparations. Sure. But not everybody even has to do that to try no. this because we've done our homework and you've done your homework and what I like about what you've done is bring it in and through the sciences to explain these phenomena uh, and that they do in fact uh, work. Well, we know that because we're using it. I don't understand what you understand. I can't put together, that's why you're here, sharing this. But 
I want people to understand that they maybe first need to let go of maybe how they've been schooled a little bit to just try some of these things. And they can, they can find the preparations from us or from other places. Uh, and uh, you can go to Biodynamic Source, which is our company with Lloyd uh, Nelson, and you can buy these things that we've made. And just like you go to the co-op and buy a chemical, you can come to us or, and or JPI in Virginia or these other uh, groups that make the preparations. And we have instructions, and you can just try them and see how, see, you know, like you said, it's an experiment. And at first, you're shaking your own head about, well, I'm going to stir this and... You know, you might think it's fairy dust, but there is a science behind it, and there is a, a, it works or it doesn't, and you and you need to figure that out personally. Well, right? basically, you have to give it a good try because uh, unless you're really cluey to begin with, you probably don't know what your land needs. Yeah, good point. Uh, and to find out what your land is telling you it needs may take you many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we uh, were 16 years on our place, and we started, like I said, we started to make these more physical and uh, horizontal moves of good sound organic this and that and, and rotating the cattle and doing all these things that I can, you know, knock on wood and, and understand. And then it, we began to know that that wasn't enough. We were bringing things out of degradation, but we weren't really kicking the whole thing off. And then so as soon as we started to let go and try these other things, biodynamics and other things, and begin to learn this new language, I'll call it a metal language, and begin to diagnose the imbalances or balances, we could begin to articulate these therapies these preparations in certain times and <clears throat> we began to see the life just take off and so um, I just what we've been doing here the last I don't know how many hours now <laughs> is talking about the science behind and the, the uh, I guess behind these things and that uh, it isn't spacey and it isn't uh, spooky and it is something that has a sound scientific basis behind it. And right, it but, but I hope people don't misunderstand that biodynamics is not a true believer system. Oh, it either works or it doesn't work. Yeah, uh, it, we use it because it works and we use we use it and a whole lot of other things besides yes, that work. That's right. Uh, and it's not a silver bullet either. Oh no, that's where you're going, I think. No, but but no, you still you still have to put up a good fence if you want a fence. That's right. You know, you still have to put your hay in the barn if you want good hay. We need good physical horizontal structures and methods, but on top of that, we can bring in the vertical, so to speak, and Kick things right. off the, on a whole different level. The imaginative, 
This was the whole idea in biodynamics. Uh, Aaron Fried Pfeiffer on a ride with Rudolf Steiner, who spent a lot of time on trains, he asked him, he said, why is it that people show so little evidence of spiritual progress despite all your efforts? And Steiner surprised him. He said, this is a problem of nutrition that foods available today do not have the forces necessary to build a bridge between the will and the imagination. So, in other words, the food that's available to us today is not triggering in us the full potential of our perception, the perception we could have and the, the understanding we could have. And so we're kind of being dumbed down by dumb food, in a way. There's the lack of intelligence in the system it, it translates to a lack of intelligence in us. Could you say that? Well, I could, but then you have to acknowledge that the heart is uh, one of the most massive nerve centers in our body. Okay. And just think, what is it that connects our will and our imagination? Between our guts and our head is our heart. Yeah. And our agriculture today doesn't have a heart. It's heartless. It is the most murderous, poisonous kind of thing. This is a separation. Uh, you might take back to Descartes and Bacon and, and even what uh, Galileo, I guess, in the beginning of science when we separated fact and fiction, and we separated uh, myth from what became science. Before they were interwoven, and there was a kind of a beautiful synergy there. Yeah, and alchemy looked at things from a viewpoint of seeing unseen. The whole. Yeah, it was a holistic approach. Uh, but chemistry just looked at the physical substance. It's uh, Steiner, who actually, my, one of my favorite quotes of his is that chemistry is the corpse. Chemistry is the corpse of alchemy. Yeah, well, that's well, probably as good a description as you need. In other words, we took alchemy, which was this whole idea and uh, understanding of things, and we went chemistry, biology, right? And, you know, we divided everything up. And chemistry is just a part of what well, alchemy used to consider. Well, then you start to think about such things as the biochemistry of the soil. Yeah. And it's bloody complex. Uh, we don't really have a characterization of the molecular structure of humic acid. What are the common features that make it... Uh, effective humic acid. We've 
really have not got a characterization of that. Well, that's because we keep subdividing it and dividing it and trying to understand it instead of... Yeah, well, we can't... It's messy, isn't it? It's a messy vitality. We, to, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. Because Because if we if we characterize a molecular structure, it's no longer alive. We kill it. We turn it into a noun well, instead it, of a verb. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. It's, it becomes a substance rather than an activity. A living thing. A phenomenon. Yeah, yeah well, so it's, you know, process. Mm -hmm. Dynamics. Yeah. There's the dynamics. You know, there's fourth dimension to things. Yeah. Uh, how can and, how and, can we uh, how can we wrap this up? Well, I don't know. Rainmaking is simple. See, when you realize that you can <laughs> can uh, it's like pumping the organization over your farm up, like you were, you know, on a swing set. In the and, evening and yeah. in the morning with those two preps. Right. You you get to start off, you back up as far as you can on your tippy, tippy toes, and you jump off backwards and pull on the chains and go down as fast as you can to see how high you can go on the upswing. <laughs> and at the upswing, you pull those chains again to get a little bit higher and to go faster on the downswing so that you know and it's like it's like building up the organization in your locality just just like building yourself up on a swing set you know we uh, we do this work I think work. you'll stop before you go over the top yeah we do this work and things happen. We have, it can rain on our place and not on any, anywhere around us. Now, yeah. people stop by and say certain things, how they feel, and we get remarks, other forms of data like flavor and other things. And <clears throat> so I just write things down. I'm not about to say, well, that's because of this or that's because of that. But there's coincidence. Yeah, well, there's or a little... Then there's coincidence. Yeah, well, there's a little bit more than that, you know? Well... The story of the luck, lucky farmer is he knows how to make his luck. He knows how to orga organize things. Yeah, now, organizational energy flows from lower concentration to higher concentration. If it didn't, it wouldn't be organizational. So you can count on it. The disorganizational energy is flowing into dispersion and waste and yep. whatever. Yep. But the Disorder. organizational energy is flowing in the opposite direction. That's what your neighbor calls luck. Yeah, yeah because, because then if it's going to get organized then it's going to flow to your place yeah. because it's the most organized place and its organization is going to build in the most organized place. I can tell you this, that in the last, especially <coughs> five, six, seven, eight years, we've watched more and diverse insect populations coming in. And I don't mean infestations. I just mean 
they're in balance. They're there. Yep. Things we've never seen before. There's more diversity of plant life, and there's more birds and that kind of life coming in. And if you it's, cut we your... it's like we created a sanctuary, and they don't like it out there necessarily because it's being poisoned. I don't know what, but it it is this attraction of oil. Well, you get to the point to where when you cut your hay, there were grasshoppers everywhere and fed the trout in the creek. Yeah, yeah. And you had an ecosystem that was really rich. 